Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, Living in Full Color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Hello. Okay, so um, we have not been on a mic in a really long time. Um, Our schedules have just not been hooking up. So we're really glad to be back together today and to also be out with y'all. And I had this article. I go to a death cafe um, every other month. And wow, it's a that follow- sounds cheerful. <laughs> it really is, actually. It's amazing. Um, okay, now you have to explain what a death, death cafe that's is. That's true. Okay, so a death cafe <laughs> is um, uh, a death cafe is where people come together to talk about death, um, either deaths that they've experienced in their own life, or how they feel about their own death, or um, things they would want to do in their death or with their death, or you know these kinds of things. So, um, and even though that sounds like very Adam's family or something, (laughs) I guess, um, it's actually really, the women that I have met there are just incredible. Like there is this, there is this, this juicing of life that comes from that. And, um, and I've been doing, I've been volunteering for Hospice of the Valley, um, this year. I did my training at the end of last year. So. So I've been volunteering for Hostess of the Valley. It's the summertime, um, and so I actually have two uh, patients right now. Usually I would just have one at a time. Um, and and what do you do with them? Is, is it that... depends on what the patient wants, mm-hmm. right? So, um, But as a volunteer, then it's just like socialization or respite for the caregiver, right? Okay. Um, so I'm I'm not there to give any hands-on care. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm just, but I'm just to there to- be a companion. Yeah, sort of. exactly. Okay. Um, but you know, it's hospice, so you get new patients all the time. Right. <laughs> so, um, and so I'm doing this because um, I got my funeral certification as a celebrant and have been considering doing um, a death doula certification, which takes a year. And so I wanted to see whether I'm so good in these waters because I'm only there a couple of times a year Mm -hmm. or if that's an ocean I can swim in on on a more frequent basis. Right. And so far, the answer is absolutely yes. I adore the hospice work. I really, really do. Um, But I also started going to this death cafe. Right. So um, and, you know, sometimes the conversations are really heavy but very lightning if that makes any sense right because you're talking about the things that people don't want to talk about and things that really matter and things that really matter yeah Yeah, totally let's let's cut through the crap and just get to what actually matters totally and so it was really interesting because this um so we do it every other month the woman that hosts it does it every other month and um this month the hostess as well as myself um i had had a massage the day before and she got really deep in there. And so I was in so much pain, right? And I and I did an Epsom salt bath like right after the massage. I did an Epsom salt bath the next morning and I was still in so much pain. Um, so I could barely move. And then the hostess had also done, her back is hurting. She's probably gonna have to get back surgery. But um, so she was also in a lot of pain and had considered not having the group and just canceling obviously i had considered not going 
But Jason just kept bugging me. It was like, are you going? It's already this time. He was like totally Mr. Big Ben. Do you right. know what I mean? Like <laughs> sounding every quarter hour. And um, which he doesn't usually do. So so I knew like, Sign okay, the universe. totally. Like he doesn't usually pester me about my schedule. Like he'll remind me like, are you going to do that thing? Because this is how late it is. Right. Um, but not like every quarter hour. Are you going? Are you going? Because if you're going, you should be moving. Are you going? Are you going? You know. And every time I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go. But he would still, every time, are you going? Are you going? Look like, what time it is. Look like, what time it is. And so it's like, okay, if he's like over here chittering, then I, you know, my Listen sign from the that. universe that right. I need to go. Yeah. So I did. And I'm so glad that I did because, um, because I felt so much better afterwards, right? Um, and the... The hostess actually had a big like health turnaround right afterwards. So, wow. so this is how nourishing these conversations are, right? right? They're like literally restorative to our health. And so, um, but afterwards, uh, the hostess had sent around this article from a website called Lions Roar, which is a Buddhist website. Um, and this article is called "The Four Essential Points of Letting Go in the Bardo." Um, and so I ended up sending it to several of my clients this week and I sent it to you and was like, okay, we need to talk about this because it was just one of those articles that like from about the second paragraph in my cells were tingling. And by the time I finished it, like all my chakras were wide open and, <laughs> um, I was just like, whoa, this is so, it's so beautifully articulating so much of the stuff that I've been grappling with that we've been talking about here on the show and that I know that. Um, that many, many people around us are, are really going into. So, um, and for, to get some definition of terms, um, letting go in the bardo isn't just to make it rhyme and sound nice. <laughs> 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 the, the bardo is, um, uh, term? uh, oh, I don't is remember it? where she, I do know that it's a Buddhist term okay. and it, um, it is a Tibetan term. There you go. Um, that's our technical writer holding on to those details. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it is a Tibetan term, and it means intermediate state. So a lot of times it's it's thought of as the space between dying and rebirth. Um, but what she talks about in this article that I think is especially helpful for right now is that um, she clarifies that the bardo can be any state, that we're, we're constantly experiencing these deaths and rebirths in our conscious waking life here right. and now on this planet. And so... So it doesn't have to be literally in cases of death. We can go through these kind of death, bardo, rebirth kind of cycles, right. just psychologically. Exactly. You know, it's not just physical death, but right. yes, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, ideologically, right? Right. We're constantly going through these processes of, of death and rebirth. It's probably just most noticeable when like a loved one dies or something or when you're going through your own you know yeah uh, a terminal illness or something like that where you we're just a good old-fashioned <laughs> breakdown right. <laughs> yeah we're uh yeah and i think when i was reading it i was like oh yeah i think everybody can identify with that place at some point in your life where you feel like what you thought you knew yes. is no longer true. Like you, it's like it shatters your illusion of like, yes. like I thought the world was this way. I thought I was this person. I, you know, you have all these beliefs about how things are, and then all of a sudden that stuff just gets shattered and wiped clean. And you're like, who am I? Where am I? What's the meaning of it all? You know, it's just that state of sort of 
floating yeah in uncertainty yeah totally and and what i thought was really great about the article is is she talks about how from that place you i mean yes you've lost something like a loved one or a career or a spouse or you know whatever it is your conceptions of how the future was going to be you know right <laughs> your faith we, in humanity right whatever, exactly. you know? <laughs> <laughs> questioning whether democracy really works you know that kind yeah, of stuff <laughs> yeah and uh so yeah so then but then from that place that's that is the precursor for rebirth right it's yeah. where we can let go of things that weren't working we can cut through all the the stuff you know just sort of all those little things and and you see this a lot in stories too where you know someone experiences a death or a tragedy and suddenly they get crystal clear on what's important in life right right and it's that sort of like moment of like deciding what your new birth is going to be right so one of the one of the stories that comes to mind is in the chronicles of narnia I believe it's in the first book. So The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is actually the second book, right? So there's this book before, um, and you get introduced to the taxi driver, and all you know, all these different things happen. And women without sleeves are very scandalous. So, um, so we've gone back to that again. But um, so there's this scene in the book where they've been jumping into these little puddles to go into different worlds, and they jump into this puddle, and there's nothing there. It's just complete darkness right and the cabbie begins to sing a hymn and everyone joins in and so as they join in and singing the song then the sun rises these green meadows appear and that's where they meet Aslan for the first time right so you can really see that had they given into their fear in this moment of complete darkness then that's what they would have created right right but by the cabbie starting the song and getting the focus on this on, is the future we're creating right, right? so this there was this the moment of decision right, right. Of what are you going to be drawn to um and then it it makes me think of two um uh two stories of the abrahamic tradition so and she even talks about being in this space this the sort of transitional space between the death and the rebirth and i think she may even say like when you're in the cave between death and rebirth, which totally makes me think of the Easter story, um, mm. the Jesus Easter story. And then um, the then story- I always of, wondered about that. I'm like, why wait a week, you know, yeah. to be reborn or whatever? Like, why not do that It was three days, yeah. Okay, all right. And so three is a three, and it wasn't, I mean, it was Friday afternoon to Sunday morning, which isn't a full three days, but whatever. So, but three is a, is a trans, it's a transformational number, oh. right? So the numerology in that is really powerful. Um, and um but yeah there's the space of and within the christian tradition they they talk about jesus spending that time battling death or battling evil right so it's kind of the same things in narnia right like you mm-hmm. have these fears that come up when there's total darkness and you don't know what's around you right mm-hmm. and there's this process you have to go through to not focus on the fear and instead focus on what you want to bring into being right, right. so so, so we can certainly see that echoed within within the the, the crucifixion story for Jesus, and um, and then the story of Jonah in the in the Old Testament. Um, Jonah was swallowed by a whale, right? 
And I remember talking to, and apparently, and I can't remember what Eastern tradition this comes out of, but um, when I was sinking, I, w- I hadn't, I was starting the depression. It was the beginning of the depression. I, you know, I realized now looking back when I was in the Netherlands um, and talked to a friend of mine about this unmooring that was happening and not really knowing, like, I thought this and this and this about where my life was going to go and who I was and who this person meant, what, you know, who this person was to me and, you know, all these other kinds of things and all these things are falling away now. And so um, she talked about, like, Jonah's time in the whale, also three days, Hmm. Um, and that in... I can't remember which Eastern tradition. Um, she's very familiar with Indonesia, so I don't know if it was out of there, but they talk about being inside the dragon. And the idea is, is that you're seeing this structure from a completely different angle, right? right? Because if you're inside. inside a whale, then, and someone, t- and you see these big rib cages, you know, uh-huh. and, and this, this, this pink bumpy thing underneath you and like, and someone tells you this is a whale and you're like, no, it's not. This is some kind of cage or cave or right. do you know what I mean? Um, because it doesn't look like a whale. You've never right. seen a what whale look like this think- before. Right. So the same yeah. idea of being inside the dragon, right? That you're, you're getting this radically different view of the dragon. Exactly. Right. right. And really seeing it from the inside and going through that total, digestion process to come out on the other end, you know? <laughs> wow, thanks for that visual. <laughs> and Jonah's, Jonah did end up being spit out rather than come out the other way. I don't remember how it happens with the, and I don't know what dragon alimentary systems are like, but um, uh, but yeah, it's this idea of like complete pulling away of everything you thought you knew. Right. And yet here it is. This is reality. This is what's happening. So. um, So, yeah, it is a it is a theme that we see that we see in in stories, sacred and profane all the time. Right. Um, Because it's so important and it's the thing that we're constantly trying to um, to sort of push away and push out. So she talks about these four essential points. I think you. You were smart and yeah, like wrote, wrote them down wrote them so you down. wouldn't have to scroll through the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the so the first one is rupture, which is that point where, you know, everything that you knew gets disrupted and and you you're in right. that void of in between the death and the rebirth. And then the second one is um, giving up the contrived self. And oh, so the contrived self being that person that we think we are, that we want other people to think we are. And she talks about this idea of trying to keep it all together, you know, trying to, you know, show a certain image to the world and really to yourself, right? I have to be this right. kind of person. Because that was the know. part that really got me was this sort of like, how does she put it? Um, this, this ideal self. Right. And if only and, I and our ideal world. And she right. said something like, well, OK, so if, we'll read that article a little bit. But for me, what really jumped out was like the ideals that we have about things in the first place. Right. Right. Um, uh, and we've talked about this. One. Like I am I am having to redefine hope and I'm getting to a better working definition for myself right now. So that's really good. But I've you know, the past nine months, I've really been struggling with what does hope mean for me? Because it's, it's something very different than the thing that I used to hang my hope on, Mm -hmm. um, has, has been ruptured. 
right? right? So so those ideals I had of who I should be and how the world should be. And um, I think how she words it is like, we have this idea that if we can just like manipulate our situation, ourselves and others enough, then we can attain that ideal self. Right. Um, and in the meantime, we play this sort of keeping up with the Joneses and try to look like we've right. got it all together. And that's, um, and that's something I know, you know, as I've been learning about like mindfulness and being in the present, that sort of thing is that, you know, I really did realize, oh yeah, I used to spend a lot of time either in the past or in the future worrying about what happened in the past, trying to not let the bad things that happened in the past happen in the future, worrying about is my future going to be what I want it to be and how can I make, you know, what I want to happen, happen. And, and so we spend a lot of time in those places worrying about the past and the future and trying to control the outcomes. And the beauty of being in the present is you can let go of all that worrying and just accept what is. Right. And and that was something she talked about, I think, also about being in that state of the bardo is you're just there. You're just present. You know, you're you're dealing with life moment to moment. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. So we got to hang on to something different. So what was what was the next one? OK. And then the third one was emerging presence. So and once this, we've accepted that there's something else. Yeah. That yeah. we need to be hanging on to. And so then. Yeah. So. Basically, this is uh, instead of having this very narrowly defined idea of what reality is and who we are, is understanding that um, like reality is huge, you know, mm. that, that there are so many things going on. There are so many different perspectives and things are constantly changing and shifting. Like she talked about, I think, what was it? Dynamic, responsive presence. Our experience is based on dynamic, responsive presence. Mm. And our present Which awareness means always is reality, change. right? Right. And so there was some, there was a dynamic line in there. responsive means it's always changing. Yeah. And she and she there was this great analogy about like a river. Like if you put in the river your foot in the river, you're never stepping in the same water twice. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the river isn't there. But it's like it's like it's, it's not, there, not but it's there. not. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah. So it's that that sort of paradoxical dichotomy of like. It, it's real, but it's illusion. It's it's present, but it's always moving. You know, and and if you can, it's that sort of being comfortable with uncomfortability. Yeah. You know that, and if you can get to that point where, and I found this in my own life that the more I experience uncertainty, but then also see how well would things work out. You know, and even when there's some trial and tribulation things still work out, you yeah. know, and yeah. this suffering is temporary and unless we drag it out. Um, and so it's, it's sort of or that. that. There's, like, I think one of the things I find really helpful about the Buddhist teachings too, is this idea that you have difficult circumstances which carry their own weight. And we don't always or very seldom have a lot of choice in those circumstances, right? right? Um, but how much psychological suffering and weight we add to that on our own yeah. is is totally up to us. Right. 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 Um, so the, 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 the circumstance is going to be difficult. It's going to require a certain level of energy and, and it's going to be demanding and challenging. So um, if we're in that space, do we really want to add our own psychological weight in there because right. we're throwing all these concepts that are making everything far more heavy and right. have a lot more barbs in it than we really have to be carrying at the moment. Which happens when people 
um, you know, blame themselves for the circumstances or say, oh, you know, if only I had done Or even blame others, that can make them really right. hard, heavy too. Yeah. I yeah. think for me... If only this person had behaved differently, right. you know, my life like, would be, yeah, you know, totally. in the blank, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and, you know, when we talked about before we turned the mic on about, um, how, you know, sometimes with family members, right, who are difficult to get along with <laughs> or, you know, causing difficulty in our lives. And it's, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, I was like, okay, this person is who he is. Like he's going to, you know, this is how he acts. This is what he chooses to do with his life. You know, this is his nature. And, you know, and this was my brother and my, my dad, you know, would still like for years was like, would get mad when my brother did the sort of what stuff that my does. brother always does. And I was like, <laughs> why are you surprised? This is like the 50th time he's done that. Like, wow. Right. But you're taking it personally still, you know? And, yeah. and I, I'm like, well, I long ago went, well, that's what he's going to do. Does. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, okay. <laughs> so then when you have that rec like accepting the emergent presence, then you have the rebirth. Right. right? Um, With which is oh, and actually, I think we need to talk about the game. So when in the well, second we'll go, one, we'll go into the oh yeah yeah. Okay. I thought what we do is like go into the the go into more deeper and different segments so people oh, okay. can like turn it off and breathe for a second because I know oh, when I okay. read the article, it was like whoa yeah there's <laughs> you know? a lot in there. there's okay. so much going on okay. in this article All right, yeah so and so we'll, like let people like get a frame for what we're going to be talking about in this show and then we'll okay. like break it out in a different yeah deeper. exactly okay all right so then the fourth one is the rebirth which is um a new world or state of being created with a light heart as a state of play and she calls it the play of experience right so we talked a little bit about like switching from the game, which I I'm right. not a game trying person. Trying to keep up the, so, the Joneses. Yeah, so me the to... game means rules, competitiveness, um, winners and losers. Totally, that's right. what games mean to me. <laughs> right. So I'm not a game person. Versus <laughs> versus play, which is wonder and exploration. Right. So right. then the agendas are dropped and I'm just like, ooh, what's this? Right. Yeah. So and the, and the cool thing I find from being in that state is that. You can't lose. Exactly. And even though, which doesn't mean you can't suffer. I mean, like you said earlier, sometimes stuff happens and it's painful and you have to go through it. But that doesn't mean you have to hold on to that. You can still, you know. Right. There, everything, like, you know, it all works out in some fashion or another. Even if it isn't exactly the way you wanted it, it's still, life has this sort of beautiful thing that it does where it, it it just works right yeah. and if we're in the state of wonder and exploration then we're not um identifying with what happens and i think because in a game it's like oh i lost i'm the loser do you see mm, what i'm saying like right. when there are these stakes playing like that then it's really easy to take things on as an identity i'm on this team you're on that team right so right. we start having these like as we were talking about before we turn the mic on these different levels of attachment um and identification with certain things, right? And and in play, then I don't know. There might be like costumes, but you know it's a costume. And when the costume's hot and itchy, you take it off, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So so there's this. Um, you can change. I think in play, and you'll see this if you watch children play. You can change the rules as you go. 
totally. right as opposed to like a sport sporting event where it's like these are the rules and everybody must play by the rules and if you don't play by the rules you're a cheater and if you don't win you know based on this specific career area then you lose you know so it's all very regimented whereas if the way children play they're making the game up as, as they, they go, go and constantly changing it and here's something that just occurred to me so so my kids would do this constantly where where like they kind of say, okay, these are the rules of the game. And then when when one of them would start to lose, he'd be like, wait, <laughs> no, these are the, this is how this you is no win. And he would anymore. like change the yeah, rules yeah, yeah, to course. like be in his favor. And at the time I would discourage, I'd be like, no, you guys need to agree to the rules up front and you have to maintain those rules through the whole game. In order to be fair, you can't just like make up the rules as you go. But now I'm thinking about that. Like, and it's like, <laughs> oh, but wait a minute. In my life, what am I trying to do? I'm I'm now at the point where I'm like, trying oh, I don't like the game. I'm going to change the rules. Totally. I'm going to play a different game. Totally. I love it when kids teach us stuff like that. I really, oh really God. do. I think it's the best. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> insights on the kitchen table. That's why it's kitchen table alchemy, right? <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to read this little, um, oh, am I, now I'm not going to be able to find it. Because um, there was this article, I mean, the one of the paragraphs at the very beginning. Okay, so I'll just read this, like, pop-out quote that's there to close this section, and then we'll start. Well, we both went through and picked out, like, our favorite paragraphs. So um, so with each section, we'll, we'll read a paragraph and then um, unpack that. Yeah. So, but she has a pop-out quote right in the beginning. It says, until now, we have been holding on to the idea of an inherent continuity in our lives, creating a false sense of comfort for ourselves on an artificial ground. By doing so, we've been missing the very flavor of what we are. Nice stuff. All right, so we'll be unpacking these later on. Okay, so now that we've talked about an overview of the philosophy of what these four points are, um, we figured we would dive into it from the perspective of what to do if this happens to you. And it will. Right, yeah, what <laughs> if this happens to you? Um, and it probably has already for many people. And yeah, like, yeah, everyone knows what a rupture is. Like, we've right. all had them. We've all had that experience, but, it, you know, as you were talking about earlier, um, at least before we turn on the mic, is that so many good things happen? I know. We start talking, and we're like, "Turn <laughs> like, on the turn mic, mic, quick, turn quick!" Yeah. <laughs> um, is that people beat themselves up about having it in the first place, right? Because when you get in that space, space where you know you're having trouble holding it together because everything's falling around apart around you, and and then you know, yeah, and then like you were saying, like uh, people feel like. They blame themselves, right? Like, oh, if only I had done this or that, or um, and and why can't I, you know, be more this way? And why can't I? Right. Fix why is this? this always happening to me? Why can't I keep it together? Right. right. And um, and yeah. So I think we all know what a rupture is, but I think we we still we still feel like we're not supposed to have them somehow, and right. that we've they're messed, bad, right? They're and that we've messed their... something up yeah. because we're experiencing it and. Um, so I want to quote from the article here. She says, rupture is taking place all the time, day to day and moment to moment. In fact, as soon as we see our life in terms of these successive deaths and rebirths, we dissolve the very idea of a solid self grasping onto an inherently real life. 
we start to see how conditional who I amness really is, how even that does not provide reliable ground upon which to stand. And at times like this, if we can gain freedom from the eternal grasping onto who I am and how things are, our default mode, then we can get into the business of being. Until now, we've been holding on to the idea of an inherent continuity in our lives. So this is a quote that I read at the end of the last section, creating a false sense of comfort for ourselves on artificial ground. And by doing so, we've been missing the very flavor of who we are, right? So, so not only is rupture inevitable, but, um, but it's a powerful transformational tool, right? And perhaps one of our greatest teachers. So um, stepping in, like recognizing that this is how it is. Cause I think we, we, we talked in the first segment about how there's the difficulty and challenge of it that's inherent in a situation. And we, we often can't do anything about that, right? But what we can do something about is the psychological difficulty that we're bringing in ourselves right. and adding to it. And a lot of times these, these, we have these limiting beliefs that cause us a lot of pain and cost a lot of energy when we need the energy to be able to deal with whatever is happening to us in the moment, right? right? So It comes back to um, control and, and wanting mm, to like grasp onto something and say, yes. okay, this is the pillar of my reality. And whether that's your image of yourself, whether it's having a certain type of success that, you know, people tend to grasp onto something and say, this is the foundation. This is what is keeping my world in place. And then the problem is when that gets destroyed, yeah. whether it's, you know, your faith in government, whether it's your faith in a spouse who betrayed you, you know, whatever it is, when whatever you relied on and counted on as a foundational part of your world crumbles, then it's like, well, now what? Now what's my foundation? And yeah. so what this article is talking about is, and this is where, you know, she says this is where religion comes in for people, yeah. is, well, you need something bigger, we right? We need something, yeah, bigger than logic for right. these moments. Yeah. Bigger than a person mm -hmm. or, you know, a government or something that can be destroyed. It has to be, uh, you know, something that is true about the nature of reality Right. That isn't going to change even as life is always changing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think, well, part of this thing too is recognizing that there's, um, <laughs> I know I've had these experiences several times and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well, where what we thought about our religion shifts under our feet, right? So there are yeah. these, so, so it, it's always like sort of it, stripping off these contrived layers of self that right. we put together. Because um, every religion is sort of, it's like there's the core, there's the spiritual core of it, and then there's the layers of sort of human contrivance that have been right. put on top there are of it. These that idea, is ideological the religion, the frame, totally, right, exactly. these ideological frames that have been put up that have been ingrained in us since we were in kindergarten and um, so like, or, or earlier, right? If you're raised, whatever tradition you've been raised in, then um, there are these things that get laid in and... Um, and that, and even if you've got like an active working relationship with the divine and that's an experiential thing for you, um, you know, there are these moments where it goes quiet, you know, that maybe you've been living in this space where you're used to having this communication and you can feel the presence and you feel very guided and led. And then it feels like the communication cords just got cut. 
and that's not there anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So so then what do you do, right? If you and 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 I think these are again that place of the rupture, um, where we we get we again find ourselves jumping into the pool and finding that there's nothing there, and then what are we going to create, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because there it can be from very simplistic kind of dogma ideas and other people's interpretations of verses that have been translated multiple times across however many languages over the centuries, or even your own experience with the divine and your own walk with the divine. Right. So, um, um, oh, yeah. and you just made me think of something too, that one of the great things that can come out of, you know, that rupture experience is, um, is because you do you know you have that you're at that point where you lose faith in everything else and so all that's left is your inner knowing mm. of how things are and the nature of existence and and which i think a lot of people don't really trust you know right. like you said we've all been raised yeah. with certain beliefs from childhood and we just accepted them because they yeah. were given to us by people we trusted and respected. And so we just went along with it and made those beliefs ours. And um, and so oftentimes we don't question things that we should. And so when you're in that state, you know, and now you're like, well, now I don't know if any of these people have been telling me anything that's true. And, and is any of, you know, life the way I've been told it is, yeah. then you can start to go, okay, well... The only person I can believe now is myself and, and looking inward and, and, and tapping into your intuition about what you know and, and, and coming up with that like, well, this is what I choose to believe mm. based, on, based on an inner knowing as opposed to because that's what the outer world delivered to me. Right, right. Yeah, and she does start getting into this as we move into the, the the different points, right? Like getting into that space of finding the thing that you are gonna hang on to, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I but I think no matter what you're hanging on to, the expect the, just know that the ruptures are gonna come, right? And that it's and a really good place to practice self compassion, right? And yeah. and to just. Um, if you if if it's inevitable if it's the teacher and this like one of the metaphors she uses in the article is of um all these sort of identities and beliefs and and structures and ideas that we hold right um are like marbles in a clay pot and that the rupture is when the pot breaks mm. and that it's and the marbles the marbles go scattering over the floor right so um, and she talks about how the, the, it's not until the pot breaks that it becomes my teacher, mm. you know? So, um, yeah. And it, it is like, even, even in talking about the rupture, we still want to like find something to kind of like, well, that's the thing you're going to stand on to. You know I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there can be situations where that's just not there anymore. It's yeah. not showing up or it's not working the way that it used to. Well, and, and what I yeah. found is that with those, um, with those kind of moments is that, cause sometimes I get little ones, you know, now and then it's like, I've been through it enough times that I can go, Oh, this is where I am. I'm in this place. I know what it is. And I know I will eventually move through it and on to something else. So I can be okay with yeah. the fact that I'm here. Yeah. Because just like whatever was lost is temporary, 
so is that feeling of being of lost. Of not knowing. Of not knowing. That's also temporary. To, exactly. And so in, when you know that, it's easier to just sort of be in the moment and allow yourself to totally. not have all your shit together and, yeah. and just sort of be present and let the moment be what it's going to be. And then. And that's totally one of the things that ego does or anxiety does or fear does, right? Is that it tries to convince us that whatever state we're in right now is permanent. Right. Right. It's going to be like, yeah, this. it's like, oh my God, it's never going to end. It's always going to be like this. Yeah. Right. So like reminding yourself that this is just temporary. Yeah. Right. Is, is a great way to pop that open yeah. and keep moving. I had um, a moment like that when it's I It's more was... difficult when you realize that the good times are also temporary. Right. <laughs> although, although it does help you appreciate no, the it's good true. times. It's true. Then you, it's true. I, sometimes I'll find myself in those moments going, enjoy this and enjoy this yeah. moment, you know, because totally. it's going to, it's right. fleeting. It's, it's all fleeting. fleeting. Yep. And it's funny because I've been mm. listening to uh, Pema Chodron on my Audible, right? As I'm like doing things around the house or whatever. And she was telling a story about her teacher, his is His, that the author of this article? No, no? this Who's is not. Like Pema Chodron, it's P-E-M-A. She's written um, so many, so many books. Um, and she's got these lectures. And I love listening. I mean, I love reading her books, but I really love listening to her. She has this great sense of humor. She's, um, uh, she's an American woman that is uh, a Buddhist monk. And so she has this great Western approach to a lot of the stuff. And there is this humor that she approaches things with that is also really delightful, right? But she was talking about this story from her teacher, and his father was a master, right? So as a child, uh, he would listen to his dad teaching, and there was one time he was about seven or eight, and he had been listening to his dad teaching, and then at the end of it, um, his father was like, you look troubled. What's going on? He's like, Dad, I've been listening to you, and all I hear is bad news. <laughs> because it was all these teachings about, like, right. you know, it doesn't matter. Like, the good stuff is not, it's not going to stay, right? Nothing right. is permanent. Death is inevitable. Like, suffering, all existence is suffering, you know? Yeah, so, But it's interesting, right? Because it's like, once we accept that... There is a freedom in it. it. It lightens the psychological burden to such a tremendous amount, right? Like, well, and it's not, I think the thing, too, to keep in mind with that is that there's all that stuff on both sides, right? So, yes, life is full of suffering, but it's also full of so much joy and right. wonder and, and goodness. And, and so that's, for me, been kind of the interesting thing about how I see the world now is that it's everything, you yeah. know, there's yeah. just so much variety. There's just so much going on. And, and so any attempt to say the world is like this is incomplete, you know, it's well, like you're, you're it's only, true. you're only really describing a slice of what reality is. Right. A part of it. But I think if we try to, I think we end up bringing a lot of psychological weight when we're trying, I mean, I, I think like addiction and things like this are all based on this idea that there shouldn't be suffering. Do you see what mm, I'm saying? Right. So, so like, and you know, if I, and I know like the church I was raised in, right. The sort of like fundamentalist conservative Southern Baptist, there is this idea that if you're following the rules and you have a good relationship with Jesus, that your life will be fine. Right. Uh, right. And then if you're encountering 
problems, it's because you're not working your program, basically. Uh, right? Okay, and right. so where we where we got this idea, I don't know. Like, they're worshipping someone that was pinned to a cross. Like, I don't know where they got this idea <laughs> that, there's that no if you're good, you are you can get out of this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. uh, this guy was pretty good, and he went through some real deep crap, you know? So, right. um, so I don't know where we get this idea, but it is the well, idea that's out there. Well, I think it's that simple reward. This sort of, like, prosperity gospel this, stuff. Yeah, totally. If you do A, you will get B. Right. You know, and but life doesn't, and it doesn't work, work that, that way. way. I'm Most sorry of the to time say. it doesn't work that way. And yeah. so I so I think like <laughs> accepting that all existence is suffering. Everything in life will suffer. This is not to be avoided, right? There's a there's a native and I don't know what tribe it's from. Um but it's a there's a native medicine song all paths lead to death. This is difficult to accept. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so true. And like, um, and you know what I think goes along with that is that, um, cause something I remind myself of, um, I have this, whenever I start to get scared, right. Or fearful of something bad happening, some potential suffering. Right. Yeah. Um, the thing I say to myself is, but you can handle that. Right. So totally. it's like, yes, life is full of suffering and, we are also built to overcome right. any suffering. Yeah, we, 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 and from our own biology, right? If my, if my tendons and muscles aren't pulling and causing tension on my bones, my bones will turn to powder. Right. If my immune system doesn't have anything to, to fight against, it, it can be taken. Working. Yeah, it'll stop right. working. It'll, I'll be taken down. It'll start attacking me. Right. right. So, so, um, so it's, it's just woven into everything. And it's like, as we're talking, it's making me, remember the lessons that I learned um, at Stonehenge at Solstice last year, right? Was that predators are everywhere, you know? And mm -hmm. I used to have this, and once I, once I realized that, um, so for those of you that always listen, there was this guy playing saxophone that interrupted the chanting in the inner circle at the Stones last year. And so when I took it to my sacred arts teacher, Bree Saucy, to talk about it, because um, several people were like, oh, well, maybe he was just playing to a different drummer. I was like, no, no, no. He was destroying what we were doing. It was very right. clear. And um, and so my my teacher was just like, you know, there, there are predators everywhere. And they're drawn to the beautiful, the sacred, and, and the wounded. So we, we are going to be one, if not all three of those things, all right. the time, you know. Right. And so once I realized that predators are an inevitability and that they are everywhere, somehow I felt safer. I know that sounds strange, but it made me feel safer because then then I it's no longer I've done something wrong to make myself visible to the predator mm. or uh, I'm now food for the predator. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's like, well, of course the predator will be attracted to you because you were doing something beautiful and sacred. Right, as opposed right. to me being broken and sick and bleeding everywhere. And so, of course, they're going right. to... You know what I'm saying? So, right. like, so recognizing, like, oh, okay, well, so if they're always there, then instead of me focusing on what I need to do to not draw their attention... Right, which means you I'm can not focus being on myself. Being stronger instead of hiding. I, right, I can focus on yeah. recognizing them and then either getting away or being able to defend myself. Right, right. So, yeah. which is a very different, right? And that's right. not requiring that's not requiring that I that I hide my light under a bushel. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? If I'm yeah. trying not to attract. I'm trying not to be a flame because I don't want... I can want... totally identify with that because that's like how I went through middle school and high school was totally. just like 
just don't just fly under the radar yes. just don't let any, anyone see me don't attract the attention of the bullies you know so it's like that's a very the problem is like you said you have to keep your life small you yeah. know you have to live a very small life in order to do that and even then there's no guarantee and, of and success it's, yeah right? totally they then they pick on you because you. you're small right yeah. exactly so, so and then it's like oh no i can't do anything and so like because if we've got this idea that they shouldn't be predators or we shouldn't have to have interactions with them or they shouldn't that they shouldn't be there because that's another right. thing too right we're constantly wanting to like engineer things so that we can get rid of predators right but but they're here it's yeah. part of this planet right yeah. so like um so just having that sort of basic ex- like acceptance of this reality of existence right. then you, know you what can I mean? stop wasting your time trying to avoid them and just work on being strong recognize them and then get to, away right exactly yeah. instead of like okay well i need to make sure i don't they don't see me yeah. You know, okay, I know they're there. Where are they? Let me put some distance between us. Right. Have they eaten? No. Let's get out of here. Do <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah, because you exactly. think about like like mm-hmm. animals on the savanna. We've all seen like the nature doc- documentaries, right? <laughs> and so you see like the, the animals on savanna and there's a crocodile in the water and there's the, the lions walking around and everyone's still drinking. Do you right. know what I'm saying? So but obviously, they're keeping their eye on the situation at the totally. same time. Right. So you yeah. can see that like the predator isn't always preying. So that's another thing too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, which is another a, a deeper lesson and probably another podcast <laughs> for another day is like not like oh well like that's the lion. So lions all are always eating and they kill everything that comes close to them. No, that's right. not true. They only hunt when they're hungry. Yeah. Right. So the other animals know that, and so they will still have a drink of water. But they can like, are they are they looking for prey? Yeah. Or are they just coming to get water? Right. <laughs> yeah, like so exactly. they know what the lion looks like, and they know enough to know they know what predatory behavior looks like. Right. Versus I'm just coming to get. So a drink. let's oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's just start moving over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. can you imagine? The level of stress there would be um, if if they thought, well, if we can just find the right watering hole, Where there, there no won't lions. there won't be any lions yeah. or hyenas, and we can like, just find the right one. Like, yeah, you know? not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, that's like so much pain. No, <laughs> if there's a water hole, there's crocodiles and lions. It's just the way it is. Accept that, and then start developing your strategies for for staying alive with that being part of the reality, right? Right. So, yeah. okay. So that takes us. We'll <laughs> close this out and come back with um, giving up the contrived self. So now that we've laid down these ideas that aren't real and thinking that we can um, manipulate things to make that go away then we can start moving on okay so actually we did kind of talk about the the rupture. so we've covered the rupture and the um letting go of the contrived self yeah letting go of the contrived self so moving into that idea of the emergence of presence um here in the article she's asking a lot of questions about what's underneath all of our experience right Um, and ask a lot of really great questions about that. And then she says, um, and so the third principle that we can learn about death, birth, and reincarnation is this, the extent to which we know what's underlying everything, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, that which we control, that which which we can't control, is the extent to which we can relax. To the extent that we know our presence of awareness is reality, it becomes bearable. 
And as we gain intimacy with that ground, we can even have sanity when life is hard, even when knowing that an experience is going to be painful. Think how willing we are to bear that pain for someone we really love. It's how life begins, after all, with our mother, through love, enduring the pain of childbirth. Why should we be any less willing to bear the pain of death or loss or change? If we're in touch with the ground of being, perhaps there may be ease and comfort, even in dying. That ground allows us to walk the earth with a clarity that accommodates whatever arises. So when we have to lose, we can lose. And when we have to let go at times of great loss or when we depart from this body, then something else becomes possible. That this is what emerges in the bardo, presence as the ground of being. Yeah. So yeah. then she's going on to talk about like what makes death and impermanence so difficult for us is this um, dichotomy that we have between existence and non-existence, right? But like this idea of presence is the ground being, because we talked a little earlier about like relying on intuition, but intuition is sort of a decision-making process we go through when we're connected through the presence of being, hmm. right? So it's still like pulling, <laughs> pulling back a layer to it. Like, um, and like in Taoism, right? They say the way that can be named is not the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the statement of faith for Islam is very Taoist in that it's like, there is no God, but God, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> it's right. first that like Abrahamic smashing of everything. Um, so, so yeah, like really kind of pulling things back to that emerging presence but like because we've got this like we feel safe when we're in control or feel like we're in control right mm -hmm. like we constantly want to have something we can cling on to we want a structure we want a veil we want something that we can hold on to and say this is who I am which is why I love the quote earlier about the seeing how fragile who I amness or conditional who I amness really is, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I was in the Netherlands, like that was one of the things, that was part of my experience of being an immigrant, right? Was that seeing how many parts of myself um, were really me and how many things were conditional on my environment, right? So they were either reliant upon the society around me um, or they were a reaction to the society around me, right? Because being in a different place with different ways of doing things, um, those things didn't fit anymore, mm. right? So even with, <laughs> I remember doing this um, with my laugh, right? And last night I decided I want to literally die laughing, right? Because I was laughing so hard and like turning really red. We were at this friend's party last night was laughing so hard and turning red that people were like, oh my God, you look like you're going to have a heart attack. Please stop. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, that's it. I declare it now. I want to die laughing. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to literally fall out of my chair. Everybody's going to be like, oh my God, you're hilarious. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> so, what a way to go. <laughs> and I was like, it's so perfect for me though. Come on. Yeah. And so, um, but the Netherlands, my laugh really stuck out, right? Like mm -hmm. here, people are like, oh my God, I love your laugh, right? But there they were like, oh my God, you're so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember like 
being in the cafeteria at school at the university and like laughing at something and then pulling my laugh down because I could see people turn to look at me. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then like trying to let my laugh free again because this part of me was like, you're never going to find the people that can be like your real friends if you don't show who you are. Mm, right. Right. So, so it was the sort of like, ha, 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 you know, like, <laughs> self-consciously trying to be myself which is <laughs> I know what you're talking about yeah because there are times that I've been like uh like got down on myself or getting down on myself right you know, right totally. where I'm like Sarah you're not being self-accepting you need to be more, <laughs> you need to you're always doing self- that you need to have more self-love for yourself right now <laughs> right? I'm like, what? <laughs> you always do this. Oh, my God. No wonder you're not getting so-and-so. It's because you don't love you. <laughs> you know. No, I know, right? It's hilarious. So, like... It's so, that, it's, I think it's the side of that sort of nasal gazing, gazing side effect, right? Where you become so introspective that you, but then like even that becomes the thing you judge yourself. You're not judge, being spiritual right, enough, yeah, you no, know? Oh my God. They're not being spiritual enough stuff. Totally. So like, but you know, getting into the space where we can let go of self-expectations and worrying about expectations of others and, and then allow allow what is to emerge or allow what is to be instead of trying to pull it down or cage it in or tame it in some way. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, And of course, as we've talked about, like probably every episode since we started (laughs) um, is, um, and now it just went away. We just, oh man. That's okay. It? All right, we'll, all right, come, we'll come back. We'll come back. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it in every episode, apparently. So I'm I know, sure so everybody has, already you knows guys what like, it is. It's this. How could you not know that? It's like I'm only halfway through my second cup of coffee. So, <laughs> well, and um, and and I think it, you know, kind of going into like the the fourth stage, the rebirth stage, where she yeah. talks about how that's very much. Um, uh, approaching life with a sense of play yeah. and that, you know, and there was a great quote in there, something about like, and I, um, you know, birds play in the sky and fish play in the water. And, you know, we're here on this earth playing, um, you know, in this reality. And, um, and then when you see it that way, it's like, like you were saying earlier, like you can, um, you know, you can choose to play a game, but you can, it's like, you're like, oh, I'm going to put on this costume now, which is different than thinking you are the costume that like yes. the costume you're wearing is your identity. Totally. You know, that's the difference is it with approaching with play is that you can say, well, I'm going to play this game right now. Oh, that's not, game's not that's working. Hot, now I'm going to change the else. rules. Yeah, now I'm totally. going to go over here. Now I'm going to put on this costume instead. And, and, um, and it allows you that flexibility um, while still interacting with the world. Cause I know sometimes for me, when I've been in that, that, you know, void between death and rebirth, it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to feel anything again. It's, you know, feeling disengaged with life. And so there's sort of that, that process of, well, I want to be engaged with life, but not if life is fake, you know, mm. and not something I can rely on. And so when you, but when you, Although it's funny, like, fake and something I can't rely on. Like, well, 
do you do you want it to be something you can rely on or do you want it to be authentic do you know what i mean because i think we end up like taking uh there's this one uh katie haverly um and she had done a house concert here for my birthday last year um she's a a uh, singer-songwriter down in Tucson. She's absolutely amazing. She's on Spotify, I believe, so go check her out. We'll put a link in the thing. Um, but she she has this one song, and one of the lines is, I don't want the decoy baby so you can call your men off me, right? And I totally get, and you know, the lyric is like, I want to be a part of the evolution. I want to, you know what I mean? Um, but I get it. Like all these ways that we get trapped and pulled into stuff because we have these ideas of what we want or what we think it should be or we want something we can rely on quote unquote Mm -hmm. um but then when we say we want something to rely on then we want it to be the relationship that goes until i don't know like what you're going to be in a like a car crash or a plane crash so you die together because like do you know what i'm saying like even if it's till death do us part if they die before you do can you count on that anymore you know what i mean right. like yeah so we want the job that's going to last forever and the pension that is going to still be there and you know what i mean like we right. have all these things that we say we want that to rely on um but then we say we want things to be authentic so like okay well you do do you want yeah. The authenticity well, and, and or this points to a really um, sort of part of human nature is that we want opposite things yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That's just sort of it's like I want to have my cake and eat it too. You know, totally. it's like yes, on this I... planet of opposites. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so and I think that's part of recognizing too, just sort of that that's how people are and that's how we are. And it doesn't mean like I when I was younger, I used to do this you know, really critical self-analysis, like what's wrong with me that I want this thing and it's complete opposite at the same time. And finally I realized there is nothing wrong with me. Like that's how human beings are. And other people, you know, once I started seeing it all over the place, I was like, oh, okay. That's just totally. I know I had a girlfriend that was like, (laughs) I am seven paradoxes. I am just a big walking bag of paradoxes. And I was like, and that's why I love you because you are and you know you are right and you know what I mean um and it's true like those are the things that the people that love us that really love us love us for right the things that we're like oh this should all be consistent and be in line um and the thing that makes us who we are and and lovable and valuable is precisely the things that won't get in line right yeah. like like you'd be a Barbie if you didn't have this thing and that's the thing I love about you do you know what I mean right. it's hard to um, it's hard to accept that certainly as a young person but I think um, even as a not so young person <laughs> it can be like really really um, and it, there's another little quote in the article that keeps popping out um, so it's like as we're moving into rebirth, here's another labor pain, <laughs> um, is that confusion is the raw material of wisdom, which right. sounds really paradoxical, well, right? Because we think wisdom means we have all our, we have everything yeah. together and it's all in a row and then we can say we're wise, right? But, um, and it's interesting because it's the, it's sort of, you know, uh, when we went through our, our elections last November, um, you know, a lot of people freaked out. I was certainly one of them. And and there were a lot of like spiritual people that were saying, oh, well, don't worry because it's just the goddess emerging. And I was like, you know, Kali's coming first, right? <laughs> like this is not Guadalupe floating in on a bed of roses. Like Kali <laughs> is coming with a belt of skulls. And, and so like that's the way that dark 
feminine archetype works, right? There's chaos. Um, and so, and you see that reflected in the Jenna story. First, there was nothing. And then breath moved over the waters, right? So like, and um, oh, brother, where art thou? There's the soup at the end when the flood comes. Do you know what I mean? Like the, you can see this motif and stories all the time of this, of this primordial soup of things just sort of floating around of things not being in a row they're you know they're not mm -hmm. in a line they're not in a row they're just kind of floating around in these tidal patterns or whatever if you can even call them that but um but recognizing that that shaking the things up right is is you have to destroy the old before you can rebuild something new there. Right. 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 And if we're thinking like as women with our cycles, like that lining, spend all month building up this lining to be all soft and beautiful for baby and then up, oh, get rid of it. Get all out of there. Okay, <laughs> what are we gonna do now? We need to build up the lining. But we just got rid of the lining, you know. Right, like right. <laughs> But we like our the women's body is like showing us that all the time, right? Like there's there's this assembly of this thing, but then you've got to get rid of it. Right. Right. And I think that's really, you know, one of the key pieces of wisdom from this piece is that the cyclical nature of, you know, life and death and rebirth and, and that yeah. process of, and if you realize that you're, because like you said, we have this tendency to think that whatever's happening now is going to be permanent, but yeah. of course it's not. And so right. if we understand that we're in a cycle, whatever that cycle is, then we can understand the temporary nature of whatever moment we're in and appreciate it and get out of it what we can, whether that's being in that moment where we're having to let go of things that are falling apart around us or whether it's appreciating a wonderful moment that we're in. If, you know, whatever part of the cycle we're in, we can go, oh, this is where we are in the cycle get what we can from it and then be ready for the next yeah, part totally. of the cycle. And so this is, um, you know, I've been, and I think we've talked about this on the mic a couple of times, like the past nine months or so, I have been having to redefine what hope means for me. And, um, and so as I've been, um, and I'm starting a book now. So very much about like excavating the goddess from the Abrahamic traditions. And so like looking at this sort of goddess approach to everything, which is uh, very nature based and looking at these different seasons and seeing the world and our bodies as, as companions and guides and teachers and friends, as opposed to corrupted and a punishment. Right. Um, like, and, and recognizing that there are just these cycles, right? That this is, I think I had been hanging my hope on this idea that we're supposed to change this planet, right? Mm -hmm. um, and starting to realize like, wow, nothing's changing. <laughs> we're doing this again, you know? And then getting into this, okay, there are these seasons here, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so uh, just kind of relaxing into that and being okay with there being seasons and trying to find, like you said, find the good thing that I can find there um, and and do what I need to do to survive it, right? Um, mm -hmm. But like, you know, if I'm, if I'm beating myself up because winter has come 
and I live in, I mean, I guess I could come down here, but we even have our winter, right? Like right. even in you, Arizona. You, right. Yeah. You move from Minnesota to come to Arizona to have winter. Well, guess what? I wear the same clothes now in the wintertime that I did when I lived in the Netherlands. I just don't have a really big coat and I, my feet aren't wet all the time. Like that's the only <laughs> difference, you know? So, um, so I can either be upset that there's winter or be upset that there's, that I'm sweating all the time in the summer. Right. Or, um, or just know that it's there and find the lessons and find the joys, right? Like, right. Um, and so that has been helping me sort of, um, if not find my hope, at least release my despair. <laughs> and then that's the that's the ground for the for the rebirth to happen, right? right. Um, and and be able to decide like how how are we going to how are we going to weather this next season, right? Um, what do we want to put in store? What are the beautiful things that we want to gather from that? What are we going to appreciate? What are we going to let go? Like always being in those, in those moments of the, the, the death and rebirth moment to moment. So glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, you can come to the Facebook page, find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group. Um, and that's a great place to connect with other people, uh, talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is going to be. And Pinterest, find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for that you've scrolled through and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest. And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we've loved having you. Y'all come back now, you hear? here. <laughs>